I've been doubting myself many times, you know, is this something I really want to do? But I know that when I'm in a place where I'm happy, I mean, there's no, nothing cooler in the whole world. You're listening to Hawk Talk, a podcast all about the origin stories of the most interesting people in the world. Today, you know our guests as famous athletes, authors, and entrepreneurs. But there's so much more to this story. Let's get into today's interview with your host, Eric Huber. You're listening to Hawk Talk. Today, we're joined by Andreas Mikkelsen. How you doing? Good, good. I'm fine. I'm in Norway at the moment. It's starting to get uh, pretty cold here now, <laughs> right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember I visited you in August a few years ago, and it was it was still cold for me being from LA. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. So, uh, no, actually, yesterday was our first day of snow, so it's it's coming now. Nice. Winter uh-huh. is coming. Well, that, I guess that's to be expected out there. Yeah. And you spend some of your time there and some of your time in Monaco, right? Exactly, exactly. I've uh, I moved to Monaco in 2012. Obviously, this season, it's not so much driving going on. So I've been back and forth a lot to Monaco and, and where I'm originally from in Oslo, Norway. Nice. And so before we dive into everything, curious, because I'm sure a lot of listeners don't know, like why Monaco, other than it being beautiful and glamorous, why move to Monaco? Well, there's several reasons. I think uh, number one reason for most, there's a lot of sports people go to Monaco. Obviously, there's uh, there's no, no tax there. Yep. Obviously, our careers are very short, so we would like to make the most out of it. Yep. At the same point, it's, uh, it's a beautiful place to live. I mean, you have the French Riviera, you have one hour by car, you're up, you can go up skiing, you know, up in the yep. Alps. So it has more or less everything there. Yep. Sounds familiar. Well, awesome. Well, so let's dive in. You know, you've kind of hit mega career when it comes to rally racing and, you know, really curious at like three years old, was that your dream? You're like, that's it. Has this been something <laughs> that you were born with? And you've always, you were like Ricky, Bobby and Talladega Nights. Like the first time you went fast, you're like, that's it. I'm going to be a race car driver. Like, how did it start? <laughs> No, uh, to be honest, I uh, obviously I'm born and raised in Norway and mm-hmm. everything in Norway is about skiing. It's about alpine skiing. And so my sister used to be a skier. She used to do really, really well. I was, you know, more or less raced up in the mountains. Mm-hmm. So skiing was basically my aim as a little kid. Growing when did up you start well. skiing? How old were you? I was like one and a half, two years old. Nice. So just started so, to walk and put you on skis. Yes, exactly. <laughs> now I can ski. So I started very, very early. And my I skied until I was like 15, 16 years old on a very high level. I was doing the Junior World Championship and doing really, really well. And at that time, I started to get some pain in my knees. So uh, no doctors really found out exactly what it was. It was like I was skiing one day. The next morning I woke up, my knees were hurting a bit. So I needed one run in the in the slopes to get some heat into them. And then I was working. The next day I needed two runs to get them working. And, you know, in the end, I couldn't even walk down the stairs in the morning. Wow. So, so I think they, they think the doctors think it's too much training at the young age. Yeah, um, with the weights and everything when my body is not fully grown, you know, so, yep. so it, that was very, very tough at the moment when it happened. Obviously, I was going to a ski scholarship up in the school in Norway, the sports school up mm-hmm. in the mountains where you have a school from eight in the morning until 12, one, and then you ski for the rest of the day, but I couldn't huh. ski. So next to that mountain, it's a place called Dog Alley, which they basically make tracks on the, on the frozen lakes with cars. So they uh-huh. slide around, uh, you know, enjoying. So I went up there uh, just to do something fun. And yeah. and how old are you at that point? I was 16. Nice. 
normally need to be 18 to drive in Norway, but since it's uh, on a closed lake, you know, I was yeah. able to do it. Nice. So um, I basically I fell in love with the sport straight away. Uh, sliding around in the car uh, yeah. was really, really fun. So then, hard not to enjoy it. Then I, I found my new path, my new career, you know. Yeah, no, it's hard not to enjoy that. And growing up, how were your parents? Were your parents always encouraging, like, you know, pushing you to do these things? Or was it coming from you personally? Well, I, I come from, you know, my mom is very like this typical soccer mom, very loving, very, very safe person. My dad was more of a, yeah, he was more tough. Yep. Uh, he was pushing me at a very young age to do all this kind of training. That's why I think also, well, I got some injuries in my knees because I was pushing a bit too much in the young age. Yep. So he's, he has been doing a little bit of rallying before. So uh -huh. that he introduced me to rallying when I was going up to that school, I couldn't ski. And he said that, Hey, I suggest you go up there and have some fun, you know, yeah. uh, and slide a bit around. And that's how I got into things. So is rallying a big thing in Norway? Is this like a normal thing or is it just random that your dad liked it too? Well, motorsport in general in Norway, is, it's not huge, but my fellow countryman, uh, Peter Solberg, he became world champion in rallying in 2003. And after that, it was like a boom. You know, it was uh, rallying was very popular. Everyone was following it. And uh, yeah, he caught my attention as well. So I was always interested in motorsport and in particular rallying when, yeah, after that season, when he became, became a superstar in Norway, basically. Were there other motor sports you were doing before that? What else were you into? I was doing I was doing uh, motocross with the motorbikes, but that was more uh, for practice for skiing. Actually, uh, a lot of the skiers ah. use motocross for for training. Actually, especially the downhill skiers to train their mentality. Yeah, you become very tough when you do motocross. Right. Interesting. I've actually had not heard that, but it makes sense. I grew up riding motocross and snowboarding and skiing, so. Yeah, I can yeah, see yeah. Uh, motocross. That's where I broke bones. Like it's a lot tougher than most sports. <laughs> yeah, but I, 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 uh, because I was the first time I was ever injured in my life, it was six weeks ago and I was on a motocross bike. So really? what'd you do? <laughs> yeah, but, no, I, I fell off the bike because normally when you're driving in the World Rally Championship, you're driving for a car manufacturer and it's written in your contract that you cannot do dangerous things, including right. riding a motocross bike. But yeah. at the moment, I don't have a deal with a car manufacturer. So the first <laughs> thing I bought was a motorbike. <laughs> but now I understand why it's not allowed in our contracts, because I broke six ribs, my collarbone, Ooh. punctured lung, and part of my shoulder. How long ago uh, did you say this was? Six weeks ago. Six weeks you ago. You look great, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> broke my leg three months good, ago. <laughs> I was going to say, I broke my leg three months ago, and it I just started running yesterday again. Like <laughs> It took three oh, months wow. to really get back into it. So you with ribs yeah. and everything sitting here looking normal. It's a good job. Yeah, but it was, uh, I timed it actually quite good because I just finished, like, because I'm a test driver now for Pirelli, the tires, uh -huh. to improve them for the, for the rally stuff. And I was just finished a test and it was like six weeks to the next test. So oh, I was perfect. like, just fit enough before I could jump in the car again. So <laughs> that was a good timing. <laughs> yeah. And you feeling good? You back in it? Yeah, well, I normally, besides the rallying, I, I train a little bit of CrossFit because I find that really, really nice and good training. But this is still too tough for me to do. Yeah. I mean, I can drive a rally car, that's fine. But when you start to do, you know, hanging around and in these ropes and stuff, it's this yeah. is still tough for the shoulder. Yeah, makes sense. Okay, so 16, you start rally racing. What happens next? Like, how, you obviously no, love well, it. Well, yeah, obviously the, the tricky part about the motorsport in general is that obviously it, it costs a lot of money to start out. I was very fortunate at the time to have a father who could help me out in the beginning. So, What kind of cost uh, is that? Like, what does it cost to start in rally? 
I, it depends because you have all these different type of cars. Yeah, I would say where we started out probably um, per year, it was maybe like two, 300,000 euros. Yeah which is quite a fair amount. And then if you want to do the, the, the best cars possible, the WRC cars, then it's, uh, yeah, we're talking uh, a million euros, you know? So, yeah. <laughs> so he helped me out in the very beginning so I could start doing rallying and stuff. And then in 2008, when the uh, economical crisis came in, he was struck very, very hard. So he told me that now, Andres, you have to stop uh, thinking about rallying. You have to start to go to the military, start to find a career uh, business-wise or do something else. Mm -hmm. And I felt that I didn't want to give up. I felt I still had a lot to give in the sport and uh, I felt good at it. So I didn't want to stop. How old were you in 2008? 2008, I was uh, 19 years old. Okay. When was the transition from, I tried this for the first time to I'm going to buy a car and get into it professionally? Were you 18 when you started? No, I started uh, because I I had my injury when I was 16 and skiing. And then half a year later, I moved to the UK, to Wales, uh-huh. uh, because there you can take your driving license when you're 17. Got in it. Norway, it's 18. Yeah. So I started out in, in Wales, so I could start to drive one year earlier. And then um, I drove one year doing rallying, and I was doing really, really well. Uh, winning national rallies, obviously, World Championship is a different level. I was uh, not doing very well there, but it was still very, very early. Uh-huh. Yeah, and then uh, and then he was hit quite quite hard, and uh, yeah. uh, I was told to to stop doing racing. But then I didn't want to give up. Uh, I got some. There was some Norwegian backers in Norway who wanted to help me and support me. Yeah, and what were the so, reasons? Did it just like you, or did they have something to gain from the sponsorship? Where did that come from? No, I mean, they are, it was not so much sponsorship. I mean, they just really love rallying and I was doing really well. And they thought it was a shame to see that my career was put on hold, you know. Uh Uh, So they wanted to help out, even though my father couldn't anymore. So, uh, yeah, it was uh, really, really nice of them. So they stepped up and helped me to, you know, get back to rallying, doing rallies in the Norwegian championship. Uh, But for them, it was really important to, that I could show my talent. So they bought me like this really cheap car, which was much worse than everyone else else's yeah. had. And they, they they told me that if you want our help, you have to do it our way. So, and I was obviously, I was happy. Just yeah. If it just had four wheels, I would be happy, you know? Yeah. So I, uh, I beat more or less everyone with this car, which was much worse. And then I think Skoda, UK, they saw the results I had in Norway and they wanted to me to drive for them in the European Championship. And that's the transition from me being a driver in Norway locally uh, until um, uh, bigger manufacturers, they follow all the results from all the national championship. And they were seeing that I was doing well and they wanted me to drive for them. And you so think that, having that bad car, the car that was, you know, the shitty car for lack of a better word, that they made you drive actually helped with that? Do you think that actually caught their attention too? Or was it just you were winning, so whatever? I think, no, I, I don't think they were, uh, they knew how actually how bad that car was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because it was like a group N car. It's a very, very standardized car. I mean, it. it still has a clutch and and uh, it's, you know, I still have to change the gears while I'm clutching everything, which yeah. is not normal in rally cars at all. Yeah. So it's basically a normal standard production car, just put on a roll cage and then go out and try to beat the proper <laughs> rally cars, you know? Yeah. So anyway, I was uh, risking everything. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> 
and driving as fast as I could. And then, yeah, I caught the attention of Skoda, yep. which took me on board for two years in the European Championship, where I won both seasons. Yep. And, and so when um, someone like that takes you on board, they obviously cover the cost of racing, but do you get paid well? Like, how does that look? Well, in the European Championship, it's not really uh, well paid. I mean, they, they take care of the cost and they give you a small salary. Uh, and at this point, talking. how old were you? This 2011, 2012, so oh, I was okay. like 23, 24, something like this. Yeah, so early 20s, uh, you really made it to the level. I mean, maybe not a lot of money, but you're a professional rally driver. At that no, point, well, right? I, yeah, I could I could live from it. You know? Yeah, uh, right. I, I didn't make a lot of money because you make a lot of money when you get to the World Championship, when you get right. the, the proper contracts. Yeah. Obviously, uh, Volkswagen owns Skoda. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the Volkswagen and the motor company. So yep. when I won that uh, European championship two years in a row with Skoda, uh, Volkswagen decided to join the World Rally Championship. Mm-hmm. And the, me being part of the group already, it was natural for, for me to be on, on board for for Volkswagen's project in, in, the, in the World Rally Championship as a junior driver, uh, because mm-hmm. obviously I was new to the championship. They bought the two most experienced guys to have the... the because they have each manufacturer had three cars. So yeah. two cars, which they really expect great results and a junior which they want to build up for the future Got it. so uh, when i signed for them in 2013 i uh, was signed as a junior driver for the future they wanted to build me up and i was doing really really well i was I had a huge progress and during 2014 15 16 the years of 2000, yeah, 14, 15, 16. I was third in the world championship in the overall standings. And then I started to win rallies. At the end of 2016, I was the only one who could challenge the, the, the world champion at that point. Huh. And yeah, uh, but then, which was quite sad, was that obviously Volkswagen was caught for their, the Dieselgate scandal, you know? Yep. Uh, with their with the normal private cars on the road. And obviously they had uh, big bills to pay and they had to cut jobs. Obviously, before they cut jobs, they uh, they scrap all the motorsport projects. Wow. Yeah, because normally I, then I signed a contract with them, which until 2019, uh, you know, an amazing contract, yeah. really being the one that they wanted to focus fully on for the future. So uh, when they had to pull out at the end of 2016, the problem with that, even though I was ranked number two in the world, mm-hmm. was that all the other manufacturers had signed their drivers for 2017 because it was in December. Yeah. So uh, even though I was really, really up there, I was standing on the sideline uh, and then I had to fight my way back into the championship. So mid-season 2017, I did some uh, rallies for Skoda, which is in in the division under. Mm -hmm. So you have the WRC, which is WRC cars, and then you have WRC2, which is uh, doing the same rally, but just in a lower power, not so much aerodynamics and everything. And uh, I was doing really well, winning everything, and then I signed for Hyundai for the last two years now. Oh, Hyundai, yeah. The, the, yeah, the Korean uh, car manufacturer. And that has been really, really two frustrating seasons, to be honest, because all the cars are a bit different to drive. I mean, you have to adjust yeah. your driving style a bit to make the most out of the cars. But coming into Hyundai, I uh, came into a team where it, the drivers has been there for six, seven years already. Mm-hmm. They have made the cars like exactly like how they like to drive. Yeah. Um, and it was the first time in my life where I couldn't really adapt to the car and how to drive it. Yeah. It's like doing a 
if you compare it to alpine skiing if you want to do a slalom course but you have downhill skis yeah so you know you want to turn but the skis wants to go straight yeah so i was really fighting in the corners to make the car turn and so the last two years has been not as successful i was still fourth in the championship and uh, well, many that, podiums. It hasn't been, you, you're not excited and you're still p- placing fourth in the world <laughs> Yeah, 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 but you know, I, I get it. You're a competitor. I felt I, I lost one tenth of a second going into every corner. I was not, yeah. you know, happy or because I struggled to drive the car, but the other drivers really delivered great results with it. So yeah. for me to change the car, that means that it also has to be changed for them. And they were against it because they were happy, you know? Yeah. So it was two really frustrating years of fighting with the car. And so my contract ended now, last December. Yep. Uh, so this season, I'm uh, out with no contract with any manufacturers and now fighting for a fresh start with a new manufacturer to to go back in and, and try to find a car which suits me and my driving style and uh, where I can really enjoy and put, you know, try to win rallies again. Yep. And so what do you think set you up to be such a good driver? Like, where do you think that came from? Like, again, being 16, I get that you got to do it, at the, but you started driving at the same age I did. Like in California, I got my license at 16. I was driving at 15 yeah. and a half and I was driving off-road. I was doing fun things. But what made you excel so fast so you could get, you know, win all these races? Like you were winning races at 17. Why do you think you were so good at this? No, I think my background from skiing, mm-hmm. it really helped me. I... Uh, it's all about connecting the corners and you know if you slide too much with your skis it you know it's breaking so it's the same with a car you don't want to slide too much to understand the fastest way through a corner basically and what i really felt is that in skiing you have more or less two minutes that's your whole run so you know out of the box you have to be so quick and so on it while you know rally drivers it's over three days you know a lot of people they drive themselves in on the first days you know to get a feeling but i i felt that directly from the stage one i was always very very quick and i think that's because of skiing i was used to being fast out of the box you know straight so uh, there was a lot of uh, positive things i could take from skiing but i it's just a general love for speed adrenaline taking calculated risks uh, because obviously rallying is probably the most dangerous motorsport there is uh, Mm -hmm. compared to track racing uh, for like formula one it's uh, if you go off the road you hit the sand for 200 meters and then you hit something you know we go straight into trees or cliffs or whatever so yeah uh, i i I just i for me i'm not too bothered to take these risks and yeah i'm uh, i'm just in the zone when i'm driving so i think it's just a sport that suits me quite well got it it seems to. And you always race with a navigator, right? When you're driving rally, do you always have someone in right the right seat? Yes, exactly. I have a co-driver who, uh, yeah, he's, I had two, three different ones because when I started, I was really young and it was really important to have a co-driver who with a lot of experience. Uh, because it. I think if you're two young guys inside that car, it will be yeah. <laughs> quite dangerous. So it's nice yeah. to have one which has the experience who could teach me a little bit uh, how to do things. So at some point I had to change and then I knew one guy from my childhood was also my one of my best friends. Mm-hmm. From, which is really super serious and i also enjoy my time with him because we're traveling 230 days a year together wow. full season so yeah. it's really important that we uh, we get along and that we enjoy our time together because basically we see each other more than we see girlfriends or family you know yep business partner so, in some senses <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly exactly so yeah. uh, now that's a huge role as well and how long, when you say you race for three days, usually, like how long is each race? How long are you behind the wheel at a time? Like uh, normally a rally is from Friday until Sunday yeah. and it's 20 stages approximately. 
<laughs> divided over 350 kilometers. So one okay. stage can be everything from one kilometer until 40. But I would wow. say the, the, the most normal is around 20 kilometers. So Got 12 it. miles or 13 yeah. miles, something like that. And, and what kind of speeds are you usually going at? Like, let's say when you have a little bit of straight, how fast are these? Because I know it's not Formula One in that sense, because you're off road. No, exactly. In, in yeah, it's not super quick, to be honest. The top speed is around 200 kilometers per hour, which in the United States miles per hour, probably, I don't know, 130 miles per hour. No yeah. more. Yeah. Something like that. Around that, yeah. Yeah. So, but you know, the, the roads we are driving on, uh, there's almost no straights. You know, it's corner to corner and they're made to be super quick from zero to 100 kilometers per hour. Yeah. So there it's like under three seconds. And so we could make the cars going much faster, but we, we don't need it, you know? Yep. Got it. And so what do you think is next? I mean, this is one of those interesting things that you, you kind of said it, careers are short in this you know, you're still very young with a lot behind you and a lot of success under you and no taxes in Monaco. You know, it sounds like testing, you know, building, helping Pirelli build tires, which Pirelli is obviously premium brand. So that's an awesome gig too. But what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, obviously, of course, I want to be in the world championship driving for a car manufacturers fighting for uh, the world championship to be world champion. I mean, that's yeah. my goal. And I still haven't achieved that. I've been close many times. Mm -hmm. uh, but no, I like the Pirelli thing is more to keep myself fit, you know, driving wise, doing testing. Um, so I'm not like one year fully out doing nothing. Yeah. So all this is a part of working my myself back again into the, the world rally champion. There is coming new cars, new regulations in 2022 with the hybrid cars. So oh. hopefully that will attract new manufacturers. And because at the moment it's only Hyundai, Ford and the Toyota doing the championship. Got so it. there's very few seats available. That's why it's so hard now to, to be one so of those. I'm surprised Subaru has pulled out the WRX. They don't do rally anymore. I feel like they made one of the main rally cars for a long time. <laughs> I know, I know the yeah the Subaru uh, WRX yeah 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 it's they are basically known for rallying like they yep. they were really good before yep and uh, but there are some rumors about them returning to rallying uh, Got it. which would be really really nice for the championship to have them back. Yep. Awesome. And and so how big is the sport? Like, I mean, I don't even know how to measure it, but like how many people compete in the world championship at this point? Like what's what does that lineup look like? Well, in the World Rally Championship, on the like the the pinnacle class, there is at the moment twelve cars because there are no more manufacturers. Right. And uh, the, yeah, yeah, there are some private drivers who rent some cars doing some of the rallies. Yeah, but there is very few seats. But that's the, that's the pinnacle. And then you have, for example, WRC two, which is the yeah. same rallies but just the, the lower categories of cars, and then it's a lot. So I would say an entry list for a world championship is probably one hundred cars. Something like Got that. It. Nice. Yeah. Okay. And so, kind of last question here: Someone wants to achieve what you have. Like, what do you think you could have known, or what would, advice would you give? You know, you you were skiing from one and a half on, and that you felt at sixteen really led you to be a great racer. But for someone that that wants to achieve their dream, wants to go for it. What's some advice? What's something that's gotten you through some hard times? Because you have been through a roller coaster as much as this is something that you also seem to have gotten from a young age. 
Like you've yeah. had your ups and downs, you've lost your funding, you've had different teams, you've had to change a lot. Like what is something that kept you going that made you stick with this? No, it's, uh, I have to say doing sports on a high level is a roller coaster of emotions. I mean, it's, uh, it's super hard work, but you know, when you are successful or if you have a great result, I mean, uh, the, that feeling is just so, so nice. So I think it's really important to enjoy those moments because there are so many ups and downs and the, the difficult times will, will be there. So it's really important to feel when, you know, things are going well in your direction and, and take that in. I think that's really, really important. And at the end of the day, it's so important to have fun. I, I lost a little bit of that fun feeling after my two years in Hyundai, where it was a re two really frustrating seasons. And, you know, then, I, you know, I've been doubting myself many times, you know, is this something I really want to do? But I know that when I'm in a place where I'm happy, I mean, there's no, nothing cooler in the whole world. So yeah. to really hold on to the, the, to the nice moments is great because for sure there will be challenging moments, but you have to climb them and then... Uh, yeah, it will be good in the end. Well, thank you so much for being on. I'm sure you'll be good. I'm sure you, with the kind of rankings you've had, you're not going to have any problems. So I'm excited no, to see you out there. It's all about hard work, hard work, hard work. And then yep. uh, in the end, we will uh, we'll be achieved. I mean, I do agree. We make our own luck. If you keep at it, which you have. I mean, the the thing I think to learn, one of the things to learn from you is you're in an off season. You had a bad couple of years. It, it, you know, it can get you down, but you're now training with Pirelli and you've got money coming in and you're getting to continue to drive and keep your face out there so that something's going to come. I mean, people are going to get into this. People are looking for things to do right now and sports are on the uptick. So I think you're probably going to see these car manufacturers looking for some ex something exciting to engage people. So yeah, I hope so. I hope so. It will be an interesting time. Yeah. Well, thank you, sir. Thank you for being on and we'll talk soon. All right. Thank you very much, Eric. Say hello to everyone. Absolutely. Hawk Media is your outsourced CMO and marketing team. We'll dive into your business for free, identify opportunities in your marketing strategy, then get you teamed up with individual experts, all month to month and a la carte. Whether you're looking for a Facebook advertiser, a web designer, or a fractional CMO, we can help you drive growth for your business. We've successfully grown over 2,500 brands, and we're here to help you too. No matter your goal, we've got you covered. To learn more, visit hawkmedia.com. That's hawk with an E, media.com. You've been listening to Hawk Talk. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you're listening in Apple Podcasts, we'd love for you to give us a quick rating for the show. Just tap the number of stars you think this podcast deserves. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.